you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We'll be in verses 1 through 21 uh, this morning. Um, it would be my joy if you would join me there because this, during this uh, series, this part of the series of Luke, the, the theme or what we're hitting on is about the Son of man. It's, it's talking about Jesus, the, the Lord, the one who has all authority. And we believe here at Christ Fellowship that, that he's not just the Lord over heaven and earth, but he's actually the Lord of every single heart in this room. That, that he has sovereignty over what happens and, and the spirit blows where it wishes. And we ask that even this morning he might speak and warn and encourage and exhort the hearts of his people. We, we read this beginning in verse 1. It says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be, made, be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And when you have whispered in private rooms, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered? Fear not, you are more of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of God also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning. Lord, I have no confidence, zero confidence, Lord, in in my words, but I have complete confidence in your word and your spirit to do what you and you alone can do, Lord. Your, Your word, Isaiah says, never returns void. Lord, your spirit blows wherever it wishes. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people this morning. That you would convict your people this morning. That you would draw your people to Christ. And that you would grant us the gift of repentance and faith. That Christ is more than enough for us. That our hearts might cry out, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Lord, would you do that for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the dashboard of a car is a lifesaver for people like me. Like for people like me that have no clue about cars. Anybody want to put themselves in that camp? Come on, man. Let's just a safe place. Like we could open up the hood of a car and I'd be like, which one's the washer fluid? Which one's the oil? If it didn't have words on there, I'd probably be in a lot of trouble. I'm, I'm totally lost, totally unable to help myself with this stuff. And that's why I need the dashboard. Because see, the, the dashboard, it gives me the, the simple signs of simple things that I can do. Like it'll tell me how many miles until empty. When I need to pull over and fill up and no one's got to get gas from me. I don't have to call my wife to come and teach me how to fill up the gas tank. I know how to do that part. But it also will send warnings of things that I need help with. Things that are going on under the hood. It has this thing called the check engine light that tells me you better get to a garage. You you better pull over. You better stop. Something serious is going on. And the same thing is going on every, each and every week on the dashboard of our hearts. For, for many of us, simply the gaslight is on right now. We need to pull over. We need to refuel by God's grace. For, for some of us, the simple thing we need to do is to take a day off. To slow down and rest. To open God's word to to drown out the noise, to hear him speak for a second, to to stop and pray to the Lord, the one who wants to hear our hearts. So for some of us, the Holy Spirit is saying, if you think gas is costly right now, you're not going to keep going at this pace. You need to pull over. You need to refuel. You need to rest. Yet for many of us, we have more serious issues going on under the hood. We have unrepentant sin of the heart. We need more than just to pull over and refill the tank. We need extensive work on the engine of our heart. For many of us, the engine, the check engine light has been going on for miles. I mean for for months, even years for some of us. 
We've never once stopped to check on what's going on in here. What's going on in my heart? What do I need to be broken over? What do I need to repent of? See, the danger, if we never stop to check under the hood, to, to get into the heart, the issue is going to get a whole lot worse. The answer is not just to, to keep driving. The answer is to stop and start repenting, or it's going to be costly. Jesus tells us very clearly in this passage, don't be a fool. It's going to be deadly with unrepentant sin. This morning in Luke 12, we see Jesus turning from the self-righteous Pharisees that he spoke woes over last week, and he turns to his disciples. But notice he doesn't say, hey, you're a disciple. You're a follower of mine. You're close to Jesus. You're close to the Messiah. No, he doesn't say you have nothing to worry about. But what's he do? He, he warns the heart of his disciples. He tells them, beware, take care, be on guard. Don't let your guard down. So this morning, there are three things that we all must be on guard of. Three things that all of us are susceptible to. Every single one of our hearts should be weird to be warned of these things. Here's the first one from Jesus. He says, he gives us a warning against fake religion. It's not by accident that Jesus says what he says, and he says it when people are following over themselves, and there are, it says, many thousands of people, myriads of people. We're talking about 10,000 plus people following over themselves around Jesus. See, Jesus knows the temptations when the crowds start together for people to start to perform. He knows the temptation for even Christians in a crowd, disciples being near other people to, to start watching how you act, how you talk, how you look. And so he says to his disciples, to those closest to him, he's talking to the disciples, he's talking to us, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says, be careful when crowds start to grow. Be careful when people are watching you that you don't start trying to play a character instead of growing character. Be careful that you don't only look on the outside and, and what people are seeing, what people are noticing, and just leaving the inside untouched. See, when Jesus talks about hypocrisy or, or being a hypocrite in the Gospels, he's borrowing a term, he's taking a term from the theater. And this language, it's a language of putting on a mask. It's playing a part to, to, to not show the real you. The, the, the Pharisees were simply playing the part of loving God. Performing as righteous. They, they were acting, pretending to obey while their hearts were far away from God. And Jesus turns from the Pharisees and looks at his disciples and he says, you better beware of that. You better guard your heart from that. 
This is a lot different than how we think about hypocrisy today, isn't it? I mean, when we think about hypocrisy today, we say someone says something with their lips, but then they do something opposite with their lives, right? Like they, they say that they're righteous, but then they act unrighteously, right? This guy says he loves Jesus, but he spends the whole weekend going out on the town and missing every Sunday, or, or this woman says that she's a follower of Jesus, this girl, but, but she is the most contentious and frustrated person at our workplace. That's typically what we think when we think of hypocrisy. They say one thing, but then they do another. But when Jesus talks about hypocrisy, he's saying someone that looks righteous who acts righteous, who everybody in the town thinks they're righteous, but their hearts are far from God. True hypocrisy is looking righteous on the outside, but being unrighteous on the inside. Jesus is warning all the disciples, those closest to him. He's warning all of us, you can look righteous, there's a type of Christianity where, where you can look righteous, where you look like you have it all together, where you sing the right songs, you raise the right hands, you go every week to church, you pray so eloquently, you serve so faithfully, you give weekly, but it's a performance. But it's fake religion. It's religion that looks real while the real you is hidden from everyone around you. It's the Pharisee that comes to the temple and makes all the right sacrifices, but whose heart is filled with self-righteousness and selfishness. It's the Pharisee who could stand on the street corners and pray the best prayers, but his heart was filled with pride. It's the Christ Fellowship member that can sing so passionately every Sunday, but all week long their heart is filled with lust and passion of the flesh. It's the Christ Fellowship leader that talks about loving Jesus, but really loves being liked by people more. Just the other day I was on my Chromebook, Maybe your all's Apple computers don't have this neat thing I'm about to tell you about, but one day you can get a Chromebook, and I accidentally hit a couple buttons, like, you know, those shortcuts that I know none of. I hit a couple buttons, and up pops this page on my computer. And it says this, you've gone incognito. Now you can browse privately and other people who use this device won't see your activity. How convenient to, to be able to hide. For, for nobody to know what you've been looking at. Listen, this is crucial for the hypocrite. If, if you're going to play this game, it, this is going to be vital if you're going to continue playing the role of the hypocrite. You have to be able to hide. You must be able to not be known, to, to keep all the websites secret, to keep the bitterness 
buried, to, to keep addiction behind closed doors, the, the coveting, the coveting in your heart concealed. But here's the only problem. You, Jesus says you can't hide forever. You can't even hide now. Jesus sees you. Listen to verse 2. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. He says whatever's in the darkness, it's going to be brought out into the light. Whatever you're whispering about in the closets behind closed doors, one day it's going to be shouted from the rooftops. And when Jesus says the word housetops, rooftops, he's saying the most public place in the city people are going to see. In the most public place of that day, the rooftop, all your dirty laundry is going to be shouted over the city. Imagine, what if I told you tonight that everything that you've ever done, Everything that you ever said, everything you've ever thought, every motive you've ever had was going to be broadcasted on WBKO at 6 o'clock. You'd be driving full speed to get your hands on. People would be getting up, moving to the aisles, rushing out to the parking lot. Or, or you would go to like Mammoth Cave and you would find the, the deepest, darkest cavern and hope that no one would ever find you again. But Jesus is saying you can't, you can't hide from the Lord. You can't conceal your sin from a holy God. You can fool everybody else, but you can't fool Jesus. He knows you. He sees you. So, so what do you do with your fake religion? What do you do with your self-righteousness, with your hypocrisy? Well, you can hide in the dark. You can keep hiding in the dark. Or you can drag it into the light. You can drag it into the light. See, sin and self-righteousness grows best in the darkness. It thrives in the darkness. But they die when exposed to the light. And so the invitation is rather than continuing to hide, to come and confess all your sins, confess all that you've done to Jesus who already sees. That's what confession is. It's not telling something Jesus doesn't know. You never told Jesus, hey, Jesus, I was full of anger today. And he's like, I didn't even notice. I didn't even see that. But no, Jesus invites you. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Do you hear that? Not just forgive you, to never be remembered again, your sin, but to cleanse you, to make you pure, to make you clean forever. But I want to invite you not just to confess your sins to Jesus. I'm going to invite you to confess your sins to one to another. Because James says this in James 5, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. 
bring it to the light together so that you may be healed. The, the path to full forgiveness, the, the path to cleansing that your heart really desires, the path to healing this morning is not running and hiding. It's through confessing and coming to Jesus. I mean, what if, what if being known was not the greatest fear for your heart anymore, but it was the greatest joy? To, to walk in the light as He is in the light. To be known and loved by others and knowing and loving others in this life. The first warning Jesus gives us is a warning against fake religion. The, the next warning is warning against fear of man. Je Jesus turns from fake religion to fear of man and he teaches us, this is crazy to think about, he says, there's nobody in this world that you should be scared of. Nobody in this world that you should be fearful of. That sounds crazy, right? Don't fear anybody. The, the, greatest, the greatest terrorist, the greatest army, active shooter, any, anybody. There's nobody in this world that you should be afraid of because all the worst they can do is just kill you. Some of y'all are thinking, uh, just kill me. Pastor, you just said, don't worry. Some, you just said somebody could kill me. Someone could shoot me. And, I should, and you're saying that's just a small thing. That's not a big deal. But listen to Jesus in verse 5. He says, but I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast in hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus says, don't fear the, the one who can only kill you. Fear the one who can kill you and send you to an eternal hell. Forever separated from God. See, the freedom of the disciple is not freedom to never fear again. It's the freedom to never have to fear people ever again. If we're honest, many of us have our fears right now, not rightly ordered but they're turned upside down in our hearts. We fear what could happen to us. We fear what could happen, like what a terrorist could do, what a tornado could do in our city. We fear what cancer could do, what COVID could do, what a car wreck could could do. We fear persecution or a plummeting stock market. We fear what could happen in this life instead of what will happen. That every single one of us will one day die and stand before a holy God. Every single one of us, one out of one people in here, will die and stand in judgment before God. We fear people who have zero lasting power over our lives more than an all-powerful, eternal God who can send you to an eternity in hell. Brothers and sisters, the, the gospel sets us free like never before because the gospel sets us free from the wrong fear of fearing people and it sets us free to the right fear 
of fearing God. Fearing the Lord, the one who reigns over heaven and on earth, and the one who reigns and rules over your very heart. And this is what's incredible. This is what's amazing, what's breathtaking, because the God who you should fear the most is the one who cares the most about you, Jesus says. Did you hear that? The God who you should fear the most, who you should only fear instead of other people, is the God who cares about you the most. He says, fear not for the Father who knows every little sparrow sold for a penny. How much more valuable are you than they? Fear not because for for God the Father knows every single hair upon your head. In fact, many of us are. So, so yes, it should make a sinner. It should make every single one of us who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It should make every sinner in here tremble that a holy God could send you forever to hell. But it should leave you equally in awe. It should leave your your jaw on the floor, leave you trembling that this same holy God loves you. The same holy God would not leave you in your sin, but send his one and only son to take the wrath of God that you deserve, that eternal wrath in hell, that he would bear your punishment in his place. And that he cares for you, that he can never, will never, and can never forget you, and that he knows every single hair upon your head. That should leave you just as in awe. Many of us are fearful, not just of what people could do to me, but even lesser things, right? We fear what man could say to me. We fear what women might say about me, what they might think about me, what they might feel about me, what they might post about me, and this even cripples us. Yet Jesus knows that that the fear of man killing us or even not even liking us is real to our hearts. And so he says this in verse 8 to 9. Verse 8 to 9, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Those who confess that Jesus is Lord, Jesus in heaven will say, those are mine. But those who deny that Jesus is Lord, deny that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the one and only Savior, the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus says, I will deny you before the angels, before the God of heaven. Listen, this passage, I know we've probably heard it like this a billion times. This passage is not about being willing enough to walk an aisle at the end of a service. To come to the altar. No, this is about, Jesus is saying, this is about confessing that Jesus is Lord when a gun is to your head. When there's a knife to your throat in the middle of the Middle East. When everybody else around you is forsaking Christ and turning to the world. This is about your heart confessing that Jesus is Lord. 
that all I have is Christ, that Jesus is my life. See, it used to be that persecution was something that happened over there, right? Like we get together on Sunday mornings, we pray for persecution. We pray for people that were being persecuted far away. But the day is here. The day's here when bowing the knee to Jesus instead of the, the world's views of gender or marriage or sex or abortion. Sure, it might not get you killed, but it will get you canceled. Your friends might be saying, unfollow me if you hold any of these other views. But the church today is going to have to come to this place where we say, are we going to confess Christ? Confess Christ as Lord? Or are we going to deny Christ? Are we going to stand on the views of the culture or are we going to stand on the word of God? Are we going to, here's what Jesus is saying, are we going to fear man and what they could say about me? Are we going to fear the God of heaven who created me, who saved me, who calls me his own? We must be convinced. We, we must be convicted as the church of Jesus Christ that this is, it's not about what the president says. It's not about what social media says. It's not about what Disney says or what your political party says or even what your heart says. It's about what God says in his word. It's about what God has said is true. There's no such thing as my truth. It's God's truth. It's his word. And you will know the truth, Jesus says, and the truth will set you free. So don't stand on anything else. Don't run to anything else. Don't follow your feelings. Follow Christ and confess that he is enough. You might be thinking, well, what am I going to say when they turn up the heat? What? Jesus says, don't worry about it. Wait, what? Don't worry about it? He says, no, because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit with you. How incredible is that? How freeing is that? You don't have to worry about what to say. You don't have to prepare what you're going to say. He says that the Holy Spirit will give you in that very hour. In that very hour, what you need to say when you need to say it. So let the gospel this morning set you free from the wrong fear, from the fear of man, and set you free to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord and a father who cares deeply for you and a son who died on the cross in your place and the spirit who will lead you even in the worst moments. Fear the Lord. Finally, the warning against false hope. Jesus' final warning is against finding false hope, security, contentment, false joy in the things of this world. See, a man comes up to Jesus, it says in verse 13, and he says, Jesus, I need you to settle a family dispute. I need you to help me tell my brother that he needs to give me my inheritance. And Jesus, seeing through the request of the man's heart, knowing what's going on in his heart, he turns to his disciples. And again, he warns them that the same thing he sees in this man's heart could be in their heart. He says, take care and be our guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. 
If there was ever a warning for the American church, it's this one, right? The, the sin of covetousness. The sin is not about having a lot of money. It's about having a heart full of greed, a, a heart that demands more, of wanting more, of, that's not satisfied. It's the heart that says, I don't have enough. I'm not satisfied. I want more for me. That's the confusion of our heart. When, when I start thinking what I have equals who I am, we have a problem. And, and when I have more, when I get more, if I can earn more, if I can put more in my bank account, well, then guess what? My security will be more. And my joy will be more. And my contentment will be more. My hope will be more. And that, so that's why Jesus illustrates with this story about this rich man, the rich man who, by all accounts, when you read this passage, really didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he did everything right. This man was working hard. It, it doesn't show us that he did not plant or farm without integrity. And the land produced plentifully. See, the problem's not filling your barn with crops or filling your bank account with money. The problem is filling your heart with me. The problem is filling your heart with me. And, and you can hear it in the voice of this man. You can hear it, hear it with this one little word. Listen, beginning in, begin listening with me in verse 17. He says this, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops and he said i will do this i will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there i will store all my grain and my goods and i will say to my soul soul you have ample goods laid up for many years relax eat drink be merry when your heart says my when your heart says more for me that's a heart that's no bigger than yourself. That's a heart that's no bigger than your, yourself. It's a heart that's focused on my crops, my money, my bank account, my possessions, my pleasure. It, it's a, a heart that's never satisfied about what it has or never generous with what it has. It just wants more. And all I need is a little more. To bring in a little more. And if I bring in a little more, that's a little more joy and a lot more hope and contentment. But I don't have it now. I just need more. And that's when it comes. It's a heart that turns you away from people and away from God and turns you in on yourself. That's what sin does. It turns us in on ourselves. But Jesus warns the selfish heart, the, the discontent heart, the covetous heart. He says, God says to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? You, you might have had your barns full. You might have made your stomach full. But you left your soul empty. 
That's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that's happening all over America right now. People trying to find their enough in something other than Jesus. Jared Wilson gives this warning. He says, we, we must not become earth rich and God poor. That's a, that's a good warning for our hearts. We must not become earth rich and God poor. What if instead of our hearts yearning more for me, our hearts were yearning more for God? Because Jesus never says, don't work hard. Don't make money. He just says, don't do it for you. Don't make, he says, make money, get rich, just don't do it for your great comfort. Don't do it for your great comfort, but for your great God and his great commission for the fame of his great name. He says, be rich towards God. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So what if all the money that you made was not just for you to relax, but, but it was for you and for others to go? What if the money you made was not just so your joy could increase, but what if you made more so that the joy of the nations would increase? What would happen if, if your heart and if my heart said my a lot less and said his a lot more? Not my money, not my stuff, but it's yours, Lord. What, what would that mean for the refugee community in our city? What would that mean for lost students who are on Western's campus? What would that mean for the Zaza people who are in Turkey or the, the Turkish people who are in the Netherlands? What would that mean for the Jaw people in Morocco? What would that mean for the Malay in Malaysia? What, what would that mean for the 7,000 unreached people groups who are dying and who will spend eternity in hell who have never heard the name of Jesus while we say, more for me? I want more for me. Instead of thinking about the joy of the nation. Because here's the heart reality. We can believe the lie. The more I have, the more security, the more hope, the more joy I'll have. When the truth is, the more I hold on to, the more I lose. The more I keep for me, the more I lose. What would it look like for you to believe, for Christ's fellowship to believe? The more I give, the more I gain. The more we give, the more we gain. What would it look like to be so secure in all we have in Jesus that we can hold everything else really loosely? To be so secure in Jesus, to have so much joy in Jesus, so much hope in Jesus, to be so content in Jesus that we don't need more for me. We're content in Jesus, so we hold everything else loosely. To have hearts that say, I have Enough in Jesus. I'm satisfied in Jesus. So the rest is all yours. 
Let me go back to where we began this morning. What, what do we do right now with that light that's on the dash of your heart? That check engine light that's telling you to pull over. That Listen, the answer is not to keep driving and hope it goes away. I think when I was in high school, I did that for like four years. It didn't end up well. The answer is not to keep driving and hope it goes away. The answer is to stop, to pull over. The answer this morning is to be honest to God about what's going on in your heart. To confess the sin of self-righteousness. The sin of fearing man, which is a sin. The sin of putting false hope in idols that can never satisfy you in this world. To repent. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. The, the best repentance is not enough to restore your heart. Great brokenness is not enough to heal you. I think about the story from Jack Miller who his his daughter was undone and had been convicted for months and she came to her dad one day and she said to her dad, Dad, I feel like I'm trying so hard. I feel like I'm repenting and repenting and repenting and nothing is happening. And Jack Miller said, well, unless you turn to Jesus, repenting is just turning in circles. Unless you turn to Jesus, repentance, repenting is just turning in circles. You must turn to Jesus Christ, the, the only righteous one who died for your self-righteousness. The only one who went to a cross to, to die for you fearing people instead of God, who went to a cross and died in your place for all the idols that you try to run after, all the the things of this world that you tried to put hope in and tried to find security in and tried to get your contentment in and came up empty. Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that you could find your enoughness in Him. Your satisfaction in Him. Your hope and contentment in Him and Him alone. So that your heart would be set free to say, I have enough in Jesus. I'm satisfied in Jesus. I'm content in Jesus. So you can have everything else, Lord. So this morning, don't just repent of your fake religion. Run to Jesus for a new heart. A new and restored heart that's been made new in Him. Don't just repent of your fear of man. Run to Jesus to be set free to the right fear. Fearing the Lord and giving Him awe and worship and praise the rest of your days. You don't just need to run from the abundance of your stuff this morning. No, run and rest in the abundance of Jesus. We sang it earlier, riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart, high King of heaven. My treasure thou art. Let's pray together.
Father, I pray that that would be the song of our hearts this morning. That you would set us free. You would set us free by, by Jesus, by his perfect sacrifice, by his perfect righteousness given to us, by his resurrection that we find victory in. Lord, set us free. Lord, so that we don't have to be, we don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to run and hide, but we can come and confess and come to Jesus. Lord, set us free so that we don't have to fear people anymore, not fear people killing us or people not liking us or what people will say about us, but Lord, that we would confess with all our hearts that Jesus is enough. Confess Him as Lord and that we might live in awe and fear and rejoice in Jesus. That Lord set us free from putting our hope, our security, our contentment in the things of this world. Lord, that could never, that could never be these things. But Lord, help us run to find abundance of joy, abundance of hope, abundance of satisfaction and contentment in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you do this this morning? For the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.